He that sows to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. He that sows to the Spirit of God shall reap everlasting life. We're totally on the negative side of this passage this morning. Sowing and reaping in regard to sin. We're on the negative side of it. You see the negative side of this in Galatians 6, 7 and 8. He that sows to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. We're on the dark side of this passage this morning. How can you do this? It being the holidays, how can you do this? How can you walk in here and be so negative? Well, deck the halls and face your sin. Christmas is coming, but Satan is already here. And I love red and I love green, but black is the most important color that ever will be. Okay. And the secret is that the sooner that we realize the tragedy of sin, the sooner we'll get to the joy that we all want to have. Sowing and reaping in regard to sin. Four main ideas this morning. Main ideal number one. Sin has consequences, no doubt. Sin has consequences. Now, this is not a speech. This is the part of worship where we, we learn from Scripture. God, please have your Bible. Okay? We don't say anything around here without reading it from the Bible. Okay? Sin has consequences. Notice here in Galatians 6, the word shall reap. Shall reap. It doesn't say may. It doesn't say might. It doesn't say could. It doesn't say should. It rather says, he that sows to the flesh shall reap, shall reap corruption. And the Bible supports this wholeheartedly. For example, in Numbers chapter 32, 23, you'll want to run back and look at Numbers 32 and 23, where Moses is in a discussion with, with at least two of the tribes that will be conquering the land, and that is Reuben and Gad. Reuben and Gad. He's saying to Reuben and Gad, now your, your inheritance, your settlement will be on the east side of Jordan, no doubt. But you've got to go across and you've got to help your brethren. When time comes to conquer the land, you can't stay back here on the east side of the Jordan. You've got to go across and you've got to help the, your other brethren to help conquer the land. And down in Numbers 32, 23... Moses says quite straightforwardly, he says, now if you don't do this, you're going to be sinning against the Lord and be sure your sin will find you out. Notice that. Be sure your sin will find you out. You see, when you read about sin, you're always reading about consequences. Turn over in your Bibles to Proverbs. Proverbs. Okay. And you'll want to look at chapter 30 and verse 33. And as you make your way there, I'm going to stop by Proverbs 22 and verse 8 that says, 22.8 says, He that sows injustice will always reap calamity. He that sows injustice will always reap calamity. But look at Proverbs 30 and verse 33 where there is a play on this word press. 
pressing, pressing. He that presses milk will produce butter. Anyone that has a severe pressing to the nose, that's going to produce blood. And that he that presses anger will always produce strife. Notice the consequences of sin. He that presses milk will produce butter. He that presses the nose will produce blood. He that presses anger, persists in his sin, will always produce uh, strife. Sin has its consequences. Hosea chapter 8 and verse 7. Hosea, minor prophet Hosea. Hosea is, is one of the last prophets before the big Assyrian captivity. Hosea. He's, he's telling them why they're going to captivity. Hosea 8, 7 says, Because you have sowed to the wind, because you have sowed to the wind, now you're reaping the whirlwind. You see, the same idea is brought out in Hosea chapter 10 and verse 13. You have sowed iniquity, and now you're going to get your calamity. You're going, you have sowed injustice, and now you're going to get your calamity. In fact, I think it says there in Hebrew, in, in Hosea 10 and 13, it says, you have eaten the fruit of your lies, L-I-E-S, lies, falsehoods. You have believed these lies you've been told, and now you are living those lies. You're eaten of that. Okay. So again and again, sin has its consequences. Let's, let's think about a couple of illustrations along these lines. I want you to see this. Run over with me to Exodus 17. Exodus 17. Moses and Joshua and Aaron leading the people out of Egypt. And lo and behold, the Amalekites want to fight them. Big mistake. Big mistake for the Amalekites. Big mistake. And so, so they defeat the Amalekites here. Exodus 17, 8 through 16. But notice what the Lord said to Moses. Exodus 17, verse 14. Exodus 17, 14. He says, Write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it, The Lord is my banner, saying, a hand upon the throne of the Lord. The Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Now hold on to that for a second. Now turn over in your Bible to 1 Samuel 15. 1 Samuel 15. In the first few verses, here we go. Samuel has anointed Saul to be king and Saul is to go to Amalek. Notice in your Bible, chapter 15, 1 Samuel. Samuel said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people Israel. Now therefore listen to the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I have noted what Amalek did to Israel in opposing them on their way up out of Egypt. Now go and strike Amalek and devote it to destruction. All that they have, do not spare them, both men, women, child, infant, ox and sheep, camel and 
donkey. You see, sin how always has its consequences, and God always keeps his word. Another illustration, and we'll just move on, okay? But I wanted us to be impressed. I need it. We all need it. We need to be impressed with the fact that sin has its consequences. What we sow, when we sow to the flesh, we reap corruption. Okay. Quickly, this illustration, you know it well, but it's good to be reminded of it. Over in 1 Kings 21, 1 Kings 21, you remember Ahab and Jezebel. Okay. And you remember what they did to Naboth, wanting to overtake his vineyard. Okay. In fact, they had Naboth uh, stoned to death. And so God sent Elijah, the prophet, to have a little talk with, with Ahab. Okay. And if you look over here to 1 Kings uh, 21, around verse 17. The word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Arise, go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel, who is in Samaria. Behold, he is in the vineyard of Naboth, where he is gone to take possession. Verse 19, And you shall say to him, Thus says the Lord, Have you killed and also taken possession? And you shall say to him, Thus says the Lord, In the place, Notice this, Verse 19, 1 Kings 21, in the place where dogs licked up the blood of Naboth, when you had him stoned, shall the dogs lick up your blood. Wow. Does this actually happen? Yep. Chapter 22, 1 Kings. Ahab is out in a battle against Ramoth Gilead of the Assyrians. And one of the Assyrians just randomly takes a, an arrow and shoots it and it lands right in the chest of Ahab and in his chariot he dies. 1 Kings uh, 22, 37. So the king died and was brought to Samaria and they buried the king in Samaria and they washed the chariot by the pool of Samaria and the dogs licked up his blood and the prostitutes washed themselves in it according to the word of the Lord that he had spoken, 1 Kings 22, 38. And we can go on and on with Ahab and Jezebel, but they are illustrations of the fact that when you sin against the Lord, there will always be consequences. And we need to listen to that. Parents who live worldly before the children need to know that there will be consequences to that. Children who have loose behavior in opposition to the Word of God, young people who live loosely in their behavior, then there will be consequences to that sort of behavior. I have a memory of a classmate when I was in Walker High School, I was a junior, but he was a senior. He went out drinking one Friday night. He was a star football player. At the end of his drinking night, he had a broken leg and had severely injured another girl. Okay. Sin has its consequences. And by the very fact that we're here this morning, 
we are testifying that sin has its consequences because we're going to be gathering around the Lord's table. Why did Jesus have to die? Well, because Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. Okay. Physical death is in this world, Romans 5 verse 12, because of sin. And spiritual death, separation from God, is in this world and has affected every one of us because of sin. Sin. Sin has its consequences. Okay. Second main idea this morning. Second main idea is that some think that you can sow without reaping. Some so live and so think that you can sin without consequences. And so in this second part, we want to ask why do we think this way sometimes? Why do we think that we can sow and not reap? Why do some think that you can sow and not reap? Number one, because they have the wrong concept of God. They have the wrong concept of God. We think that way because we have the wrong concept of God. We think that God is some overly generous grandfather type, uh, Santa Claus on steroids. He, he, he just is giving and giving and giving. He's a namby-pamby sort of person who just can't, who can't seem to say no to anyone. He just, he just exists to give you what you need, and he would never stand in opposition to what you want in your life. Okay. Believe it or not, a lot of people have that concept of God. But we read in Hebrews 12 and 29 that God is a consuming fire against those that sin. Hebrews 12 and 29. We read in Romans 12 and verse 19, God's saying this, Vengeance belongs to me, the Lord says. I will repay. Vengeance belongs to me, the Lord says. I will repay. And so sometimes we think we can sow without reaping because we have the wrong concept of God. Another reason we think we can sow without reaping is because oftentimes there's a time lapse between our sin and the consequence because God works on his own time frame. And so a lot of people get confused because there's no immediate consequence to their wrongdoing. But we are warned by that. Turn in your Bibles with me to Ecclesiastes, the book of Ecclesiastes. And we're looking at chapter 8. And this is in the Old Testament, right in the middle of your Old Testament, right before the Song of Solomon. Ecclesiastes 8, around verse 11. Okay. Notice this. Because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed in a speedy manner, then the heart of the children of men are, are set to do evil. You see that? Ecclesiastes 8 verse 11. Because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed in a speedy way, then the heart of the children of man is fully set to do evil. That seems to be the tendency of man. If we don't see an immediate result of our sin, and we don't believe we really have sin, and we just set our hearts to continue to do evil. Okay. So that's why sometimes we believe that we can sow and not reap. There's a time lapse between our infraction and the consequence. 
Another reason we think sometimes that we can sow without um, reaping is because uh, we as parents, we do not prepare consequences for bad behavior. That's right. Oftentimes we've got grown-ups walking around, they were reared in a home where there weren't consequences to bad behavior, and that's always going to work out bad. Uh, We hear, well, at least I heard growing up, phrases like, well, it'll all come out in the wash, or young people will be young people. Uh, Everybody has to sow sow wild oats every once in a while. I never really understood the one well, it'll just, it'll just all come out in the wash. It'll just all come out in the wash. We, I don't know anything about that. I don't know what that, I don't know where that originated. But we do know this. Here's what we do know. Okay. Here's what we do know. That which is, is filthy spiritually is going to remain filthy spiritually unless Jesus gets involved. Okay. And we also know that Proverbs 29 and 15 says, A child left to himself always brings shame to his mother. So those are a couple things we do know. And one of the reasons we have a lot of sowing and not believing in the reaping is because parents do not understand themselves that there must be consequences to bad behavior. Another reason people think that they can sow without reaping is because there are preachers who are too afraid to tell the whole story about God. There are teachers and preachers in the spiritual realm who are too afraid to tell the, the full equation that, that there is a goodness and severity uh, to God. Okay. Now, we've looked at this verse before, but be sure you have it marked. Proverbs 17, 15. Be sure you look at Proverbs 17, verse 15. Proverbs 17, verse 15. Check me on this. Check me on this. Okay. Sometimes I wake up foggy-brained. You ever do that? You ever wake up with a foggy mind? Okay, so check on this. Check, check some of these passages. Proverbs 17, verse 15 should say something like this. He who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the righteous, both of those are what? An abomination to the Lord. Now, let that sink in. Anyone who sows, so teaches, okay, or so lives, that they end up justifying the wicked, that's an abomination to the Lord. But also, anyone who condemns the righteous, that also is an abomination to the Lord. And then I would suggest that another reason we think we can sow without reaping is because we think we become rather good at hiding our sins. Okay. And pro- we probably are pretty good at it. We're pretty skillful of keeping other people from knowing. And really, when it comes down to it, other people don't really care what you do. Okay. And you, you know that. So we get pretty good at hiding our sins from other people. And so that evolves into thinking we can hide our sins from God. Somehow God also is just forgetting about it. Or somehow God is not seeing it. But we need to notice a couple of verses. Ecclesiastes 12, 14 says, God will bring every deed into judgment. Ecclesiastes 12, 14. God will bring every deed into judgment, both good and bad. With every secret thing, He'll bring that into judgment. Every secret thing. And Paul talks about the coming of the Lord, 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 5. 
1 Corinthians 4 and verse 5, Paul says, at the judgment day, the Lord will bring light into all the darkness, all the hidden things of darkness. In other words, the Lord will expose with his great light all the hidden things of darkness, all the things that men think that they are hiding and have hidden, these will be exposed by the great light of God. All right. And so that's the second part of our lesson this morning, and that is to think, why do we and why do some think that you can sow without reaping? Okay. You just cannot do that. Quickly, the third part of our lesson is this. Going back to Galatians 6, whenever we think this way, that we can sow without reaping, whenever we think this way, we are mocking God. That's our third part of our lesson. Whenever we so think that we can sow without reaping, that is a mocking to God. That's why Paul starts out like he did. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. If you think in opposition to God, then you're mocking him. To mock God is to turn the nose up. That's the literal meaning of that term. To turn your nose up. Okay. What that means is, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm hearing you, Lord. I'm understanding you, Lord, but I'm still not going to do it. Okay. I hear you, Lord. I'm listening to you, Lord, but I, I'm, I'm still going to go ahead and persist in my sin anyway. Okay. It's the ultimate act of stubbornness is what it is. In 2 Samuel 12, around 13 and 14, 2 Samuel 12, 13 and 14, I'm, I'm skipping some things here um, just for time's sake, but let me mention this one. 2 Samuel 12, 13, this is when David is being confronted by Nathan the prophet. David has sinned grievously. In his murder of Uriah, in his adultery with Bathsheba, I want you to notice this. It says... He said to David, you have, you have utterly scorned the Lord. David, you have utterly scorned the Lord. David knew full well that what he was doing, he was not blinded, he knew full well what he was doing was absolutely against the Lord. You have utterly scorned the Lord. We mock God. Okay. We'll let that be the third part of our lesson. When we so think that we can sow without reaping, we are mocking God. Can you imagine facing God on judgment day knowing very well that you could have avoided this judgment. You could have avoided uh, eternal wickedness. You could have avoided eternal destruction. Can you imagine facing God face to face, as it were, with your sin, having lived all your life in mockery against Him, only to hear those words, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. Okay, so our fourth part, fourth part of our lesson this morning, is that even when we have been forgiven by God, there are still consequences with our sin. Okay. 
even when we've been forgiven by God, there can still be consequences from our sin. By all means, all of us ought to come to Christ. This morning, right now, we ought to all come to Christ. If we have not been forgiven of our sins, if we're not walking in His light, then we need to all come to Christ. The invitation is, is, is wide open. Okay. Come to the Lord. Come with your faith. Come, come with your repentance. Come willing to be baptized. Come with confession. Come to the Lord. But now look, in coming to the Lord, there are some tremendous blessings. Okay. Let me just think about some blessings. In coming to the Lord for forgiveness, think about some, some blessings. Okay, Your guilt is removed. Then you have automatic fellowship with the Lord. And then this forgiveness enables you to be patient with other people and help other people in, the, in, their, in their situations. Okay. It also, this, this forgiveness and this new relationship with the Lord helps prevent you, prevent each of us from, from getting further into sin. doesn't make us perfect, but it helps us stay away from sin. Okay. Tremendous blessing in coming to Jesus for forgiveness, but there still can be consequences from our sins that we've been forgiven from. Okay. For example, Moses, we know Moses is in heaven. The Mount of Transfiguration, remember that, Matthew 17? Jesus takes his disciples up there, and, and there Moses appears. Okay. Moses in heaven. Okay. Moses, Numbers chapter 20, instead of speaking to the rock, what did he do? He struck the rock. Right? When did I get that backwards? No, that's right. He struck the rock. Tell me, Christian, if I'm good. He struck the rock. That's right, man. He struck the rock. What was the consequence of that? He was not allowed to go into the promised land. He's forgiven of his sin. Forgiven of his sin. But not allowed to go into the promised land. Speaking to David a few minutes ago, I'm going to flip back here to 2 Samuel 12. Look right down there to verses uh, 14. Yep. Notice what Nathan the prophet said to David. Verse 13. 13. David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan said to David, The Lord has put away your sin. You shall not die. Nevertheless, because by this deed you have utterly scorned the Lord, the child who is born to you shall die. God put away David's sin, but his consequences of his sins remain. Remain. The Apostle Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 9. He has been forgiven. By the time you read 1 Corinthians 15, 9, he's been forgiven. But what he had done against the Lord haunted him. Okay. In 1 Corinthians 15, 9, he says, it's not even proper to call me an apostle because I persecuted the church of the Lord. Now he goes on to say, by the grace of God, I am what I am. 
But notice how that though he's forgiven, what he had done earlier was still haunting him. You see, our wounds on our physical body will heal, but sometimes leave scars. We need to know this. If for nothing else, we, we can't be perfect, but at least maybe this can motivate us to stay away from as much sin as possible because of these consequences. There can still be scars. There's a story, it's an old story, but it's a good one, about a dad on a farm with his boy. And after the boy got to a certain age, he wanted to start teaching the young man some things about wrongdoing. And so he said, now, now son, every time you do something wrong, okay, and we, we, we pin you on this, then you're going to go out to the barn door and you're going to, to, to drive a nail into the barn door. And then he said, you're going to keep doing that. Keep doing that. And so the boy did it. Every time they, they pinned him down on doing something wrong, he went out and they put a nail in the barn door. And then after a while... Father took the son out there. He said, let's take all these nails out. And they did. And the father said, he said, look at all these holes that are left. He wanted to explain to the boy, you will sin against God. All of us do. But son, remember, even after the sin is gone, the hole can still be there. The hole can still be there. That's what sin does. Even though we're forgiven, sometimes sin will leave holes in our soul. The scars sometimes remain. And we need to realize this, if, if for nothing else, to stay away from sin and to be more dedicated to the Lord than we ever have before. There was a poet who, who did his poem on an experience that he had. He he was out in the woods and he came upon a bird who had a broken wing. And he decided that he would just care. He, he took the bird to his house and he just cared for the bird and nursed it back to health. Eventually even the wing was restored. But in his poem, he said the bird never really sang as loud as he used to. And the bird, even though his wing was healed, the bird never really soared as high as he once did. And that's what sin will do to us. Absolutely, we need to come to God for forgiveness, but let's also remember to stay away from as much sin as we possibly can. Let us love the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Sowing and reaping. The negative side, perhaps this evening we'll have an opportunity to look at the positive side of sowing and reaping. But this morning, the Lord has warned us about our sins. Are you ready to come home to Him even this morning, even right now, as we stand, as we sing together?